0: For just a few minutes, I want to talk to you about the Me Bible. A little spoof on the word revival. But what I believe uh, today uh, is that we need a Me Bible. And at the end of today's sermon, you're going to have a chance to ask God to send the Me Bible. It's your personal revival. You're asking God to come into your life and change some things the, around. At the end of today's service, you're going to get an opportunity to ask God to send you a me Bible. And would you do me a favor Common Ground? Would you look at the person next to you? and Would you look at them in the eye and say, tension me, please? Tell them I need some tension. Would you tension me, please? All right, here we go. Here we go. For several weeks, Pastor Eric and I have been talking about the correlation between me and we. That's no surprise to you. As you recall we started this series about talking about God's we as is in the place in Psalms 100. Thus you and I verified that we all have the same place of origin. We were all made for the same purpose, God's purpose. We were made to glorify God. We have all been invited back to God in order to praise him together and in unison. Why is that, Pastor? Because I know that you agree with me that the best way to praise God is when we all praise him together. Amen? And yet this is difficult and seemingly impossible because so much divides us. Here's the dilemma that my sermon will attempt to address this morning. We do not know how to get back to God's we. We don't know how to come back together. But as you recall, our command from scripture is simply this. The psalmist said, shout to the Lord all the earth. Could we practice that this morning, common ground? Does somebody have a hallelujah? Come on, shout to the Lord. It will get better. I'm excited about that. So then, church, what exactly keeps us from executing God's command? Well, it's because you and I agree that many of us have exchanged God's big we idea for our little we ideas. We agree that there's sometimes not enough me in God's we And so we align and identify with a smaller we that allows us to put greater emphasis on our particular me. And finally, in review, we agreed that many times when you and I say we, we're merely talking about me and people like me, or me and people who think like me, see it like me, act like me, believe what I believe, those who have concluded what I have also concluded These people to get to be in close proximity to us because they share many of our same interests, values, philosophies, outlooks, principles, and convictions. Here's a question for you, common ground, a little challenge to your me. When is the last time you aligned and committed to something that you didn't necessarily understand or agree with? When is the last time you looked for a group that would force you to grow as opposed to allowing you to feel good about what you already know. When, church, is the last time you commit it, but we're not comfortable. Again, many of our we's are nothing more than extensions of our me's. We are divided in as many ways as people can be divided. Ethnically, racially geographically, historically. I don't know why I don't like you. It's just that my family never liked y'all and so historically, we don't get along. Politically, Politically, economically, philosophically, spiritually, every way, ideologically, we don't get along. In fact, not much brings us together anymore because we live life dug in. We have taken positions. But what we will discover today is that this division, even though there is division, there are forces, watch this church, that are pulling us together. A codependency pulling us to the center, pulling us to close proximity. We are forced to negotiate because we live in close proximity to one another. We are all on earth together at the same time by God's design, so we have to work it out. We got to figure this out. What is true is that we need one another. Everyone is important. As much as we are inclined to label and dismiss people who are not in our group, our particular we, here's the truth, church. The truth is that we need people who see it differently. The truth is that we need people who are otherwise convicted. They bring a much needed and healthy tension to our lives. What's the definition of tension? It is the state of being stretched tight. God is trying to stretch us. When I was a boy in church, my pastor when he was preaching and had the church back on his heels, and when when he knew we weren't totally convinced of what he was saying and he was he was stretching us, he simply said, Well, it's tight, but it's right. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's tight, but it's right. <laughs> Tension tightness, pulling us, stressing us, mental and emotional strain there's going to be some stressing in God's stretching. The tension is necessary to reveal who and what we are. Tension tells us what we're made of. Tension tells us what we need to do in order to get better. We all need tension, but watch this church. I'm going to turn this corner here in just a second. But in particular, we need the tension that is brought about by the close proximity of people from the other group, the other side of the dichotomy. Tension reveals our texture, our tenacity, our trajectory. There are six things that determine the altitude of any team, group, family, organization. There must be talent. Somebody has to be gifted. There must be endowment. There has to be tenure. Don't get rid of all the old people. We need somebody with experience. There has to be training, we have to have best practices, we have to have a how-to and an approach. There has to be togetherness. Somebody has to sacrifice for the big picture. There has to be temperature, the culture that we're going to operate in, the non-measurables. There's no altitude without the right attitude. But if you get all five of those together, what's most important is testing. There has to be tension there has to be pressure conflict we don't even know how good we are until we're tested something foreign and something different has to come close to us something opposing something of someone in opposition not similarly convicted as you recall a few weeks ago we discussed the parable of the lost son And the story starts off this way. It says, a certain man had two sons. It is a good and God-established we. We want to be there. God put that together. It's a great beginning. But over time, here's what happened. One of them strayed and one of them stayed. There's the dichotomy in the text. Well, the son that strayed, eventually came to himself, and ultimately he came back home. But this now, watch this church, close proximity to his brother created tension. We know his brother, the one who stayed, had such deep issues until his counterpart came close. That when his brother came home, it was revealed his character and his substance. We liked him before his brother came home. He was cool until we found out he was a hater. We need the tension of others, the tension of rich without poor. The poor give them the clarity on how God would have them use their resources. So, so, so if the Bible says and contends, and it does, that the poor you always have with you, then what the, the Bible is also telling us is that the rich you will also have as well. They will also always be with you in, to offer a remedy to the poor if they so choose. And sometimes I know that we get tired of this type of preaching. We don't want to hear this message. We think and say, yeah, yeah, Pastor Rush, but we've heard this before. Move on. I get it, man. I got it. We get exhausted. But that depends on who you're talking to. Poor people never get tired of hearing this message. People with less power never get tired of hearing this message they need it to be repeated over and over again because they are not positioned to say it so how long should we preach this how long should we keep coming and saying the same thing well we should preach it according to Amos until justice runs down like water And until righteousness runs as a mighty stream, if we're not there, we should keep preaching. Of course, the weak need the strong. But did you also know that the strong need the weak? We get our assignments, church, from our association and our affiliation with people from the other side. Did you know God has good people on the other side? And finally, for today's message, because I'm getting ready to turn and go home so we can eat, but they ain't got no chicken, y'all. But it's gonna be good, it's gonna be good. We're We're gonna get down. we're gonna do our thing. Finally, for today's message, here it is. The world needs the church, but did you know that the church very much also needs the world? The world is the church's assignment. The world gives us the opportunity to produce God's fruit that he commands us. Our society is broken, it does not regard God, the things of God, or the people of God evidenced by the fact that our communication is broken our commitment to humanity and well-being of all people is broken. This is no surprise to me and you, because scripture warned us that in the last days, the love of many should wax cold. And we all know that we're living that reality right now. Capitalism is broken, health care is broken, equal opportunity is broken, diversity, affirmative action, respect for neighbor, all of this is broken. Here's here's what's true. I I was talking to my wife the other day and and I told her this uh, because we were talking about what she should do if she ever got a flat tire and she couldn't reach me. And I said it used to be that when you got a flat tire and you were on the side of the road that many people would stop and see about you. Y'all remember those days. Now when you get a flat tire and you're on the side of the road You're almost hoping that nobody stops, right? (laughs) Got to get triple A, because you don't know the heart and mind of the people who will stop. The world is broken. All of this is true, but here is the hard part of my son. It's not that the world is broken. It's that the church is also broken. We are broken, too. And the biggest evidence of that is that we are divided. Our division is symbolic of our brokenness. Unfortunately, the church does not practice God's big idea either, is we. The church and the people of God seem to have no real response to the brokenness in humanity. In fact, it could be strongly argued that we are somehow a part of the problem. Here's here's the conflict in the text. Though, the church is broken, but God is not. God is not broken, and he ain't broke either. The cattle on a thousand hills belong to God. Where do we land because we serve God. His kingdom is not broken. His love is not broken. His healing arm is not broken. Isaiah said it like this in Isaiah 51. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save. Anybody with me? Nor is God's ear heavy, that it cannot hear. So what is clear is that we need a revival. God should start with me because God can hear and God can heal. That's what we know. So is there any good news, Pastor Rush? However, it is through our brokenness that we can chart a path to togetherness. We have a reason to come together. The church should lead this. What is the reason that we should get over what divides us and come back to God's will? Let me give you a couple. We have an opportunity and an obligation to reflect positively on God Because we don't all love one another, but we do all love God. Since God's love for humanity is not broken, we really can't be either. We have the opportunity through togetherness to be the light of the world. So we must ask the question, church, how does the church evaluate its effectiveness? How do we know? if we are a good church or not what are the metrics that we use to evaluate our success is it attendance is it money in the bank and a growing budget what makes us good it is our, is it our evangelism our outreach ministry our technology that's important now they is it our live streaming hope you're watching. (laughs) Is it our tenured eldership or our strong administration? All of these are important, but let me take a stab at it. Perhaps the best performance indicator of whether or not the church is effective is simply its ability to influence the community around it. To positively impact the people for whom we could potentially be a light. Thankfully, we are positioned to do it. Look at what Jesus prayed for his disciples. Here's what Jesus said in John 11. Jesus said this. He's praying to God on behalf of his disciples. He says, I will remain in the world no longer. But they they are still in the world and I am coming to you Holy Father protect them by the power of your name the name you gave me so that they may be one as we are one Jesus is like I'm gonna really holler at y'all but I want y'all to be well I want you to know that you're positioned to continue the work that we did together And not only are you positioned to do it, but greater works than these shall you do. Have somebody help me give God praise for that because I'm going to my father. He lifted the standard. He lifted the bar. So here's how we could impact the world. This is the me Bible. Now the call on all of us. Hear me, hear me good. If you don't hear anything else, I say catch this. Now, we have to be focused, strong, diverse, and unified. We have to bring that strength and unity in close proximity to the world. To bring the world tension and conflict. That's our job. To be be very comfortable in our skin to understand our identity, to be cool being peculiar, to be cool being different, and to bring all of that to the world, to display God's love and his commands with kindness. We're comfortable being different. We're comfortable that we don't march to the world's drumbeat. Here's what Jesus said in John 2. Do not love the world or anything in the world. It didn't say anybody, it said anything. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life comes from the Father, Comes not from the Father but from the world. The world and its desires pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. Now the scripture is starting to shape us, it's starting to mold us. We are invited in the me-we conversation. You and I are divided, and Eric did such a great job with this last week. You and I are invited to reject the world. We are invited not to embrace its philosophies. We must be strong in our identity. I've got a question for you. Joshua asked the people this, who was on the Lord's side? Who's on the Lord's side? Whose mind is made up? Whose heart is fixed? Who knows who they are in God? Here's the dichotomy in today's text. Are we going to be in the world and of the world? We are all in the world, but we're not all of the world. Some of us have been transformed by the renewing of our minds. And so here's the dichotomy in the text. Are we who live in the world? Or are we going to be of the world or of the kingdom mindset? We can't be both. The world needs us to choose. The world needs us to be clear. And this is what you and I should do with our me. This is the compass and the guiding light for everybody's me if you didn't know where to lodge your me if you didn't know where to deposit your me if, if you've offered your me uh, up to people who were cool if you've offered your me up to people who have special interests like you do if you've not really researched where your weed and your me should be you've just been going along uh, offering your me to some casual weeds the bible is saying no that's the only vote you get You have to be discriminating with that. I've got, I've got instructions for your me. I've got an agenda for your me. I've called you and I want something specific with your me. I want you to submit it to the me Bible. And then I never want you to offer your me to a we that will not have you operating at your godly potential. That if you can't be who God has called you to be, that's not the good for you. Here's here's what it is. Here's what Romans says, Therefore I urge you, Romans chapter 12, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. This is what you should do with that me. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, church, and only then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good and pleasing will. This is where we all start to move back to God. Here's the answer to the question. We we don't know how to get back to the Psalms 100. The problem is, is that the worldly mindset can't even conceive of that and so we have to be transformed only the transformed mind desires the things of god only the transformed mind desires to come back and can conceive of god's will the writer said it like this and once we've been transformed this is what jesus is trying to get us here's what you should know that if you're blessed at all if, you, if you've been saved at all if you've been redeemed at all if you've been renewed at all if, if places you used to go now you, you, you're doing better here's what John says you did not choose me but I did choose you come on somebody give it right. you didn't choose me but in spite of that, I chose you. I appointed you that you might go and bear fruit. That's, that's got to be on everybody's agenda. Fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, in the name of the Father, he will give it to you. This is my command. Here's what I want you to do with your new mindset. Here's what I want you to do with the new me the first assignment for the new me you see how he gives us the first assignment for the new me the first thing I want you to do and the first proof the first evidence that if you have truly been transformed he gives it to us in the text he said this is the first thing I want you to do I want you to love one another I want you to love one another this is the evidence. This is the fruit. I want you to love others. I want you not to see any difference. I want you to love one another. That's the fix. And then when we do that, the fix is on. He said, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. So the church, this is the actual goal of the church. Uh, uh. I, I hate to reference Cat Williams. I, I shouldn't reference Cat Williams. I, I, shouldn't, I really shouldn't reference Cat Williams. Uh, but Cat Williams says, your problem is you don't have enough haters. That if you wake up in the morning and you have six haters quoting Cat Williams, you need to try to figure out how you can get 10 by the end of the day. We need more haters. We need to be more entrenched in our godly so that the world is. The church needs more helpers and those helpers need more haters. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. This is why the world hates you. I, I think that this is this is the revival question. Here, here, here's the revival question. And here's where everybody has to go inside. Maybe even close your eyes at this point of the sermon. Am I? Do I identify with the things of God as such? then I'm in conflict with the world. Just a question you might ask. Does the world hate me? Do I hate the world? Or do I live my life as is to be oblivious that I'm really on God's side? Do I straddle the fence? Or have I made a strong declaration? This is what we all have in common after the Me Bible. This is how we get past our differences. It is because after the Me Bible, it don't matter what tongue, tribe, or nation you come from, if you're in God, after the Me Bible, we all struggle together. We suffer together in the name of God and for the same reasons. Why do we struggle? To be to be united, a united representation of God, His will and His power. And we're on the same team with the same agenda to bring tension and conflict to the world. That's our agenda. And Paul, Paul writes it to the church at Philippi, and here's what he tells them, because I'm almost done. He says, here's the position of the believer. That I may know him, says Paul, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Y'all, this is our get down. This is where we are. This is where we live. Anything less than this. But everybody, this is a, this is a select club. This is a good we to belong to. This is our good down. Park me right here. And, and let me hang out with the people who also understand this. That the, the best indicator of my walk in God is not the house on the hill. It's not the bank account. Here's the best indicator is that I can take a licking and keep on ticking. I'm no stranger to suffering. That the just shall live by faith. That as I advance in my walk in Christ, I can go through it. I can take it. And put me with the people who understand our call. Put me with the people who understand our cause. That's my we. And if, if you going through for the cause of Christ, you are my brother, you are my sister, I'm down with you. I got your back, I'm with you. Come misery in love, company. <laughs> this is our binding and cohesive narrative. This is our common denominator. This is the paved road back to God's word. Here's the charge after the me Bible you, you, you gotta walk in this Matthew says for you transformed person you delivered person you person that loves God you you are the salt of the earth but if the salt loses its saltiness how can it be salty again it is no longer good for anything you, you, you gotta stay vibrant except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot you common ground you are the light of the world. You are the city on the hill. In Genesis chapter 18, Lot and his family are having upon Sodom. And Abraham wants to know, after having understood that God is going to destroy Sodom, would God destroy the righteous with the wicked? So he approaches God for this negotiation. And God says, not necessarily Abraham. Abraham says, if there's 50 righteous people, God's like, if there's 50 righteous, I'll hold my hand. And there's this negotiation that goes to 45 and 30. And ultimately, it does not do Sodom and Gomorrah any good because Abraham doesn't negotiate past him. God and his family are allowed to leave and his wife looks bad. But what we learn unequivocally from that is that God regards the righteous. So what does that mean? That if you and I have the transformed mindset, we should go to places that are in peril because we might be the reason God scares them we might be the reason God saves them the world needs us to be about our business so here's my last part the church needs to be strong because the world operates under many demonic strongholds the church needs to be powerful because the forces of evil and darkness are also themselves powerful despite spiritual weakness in high places the church needs to be united because the world though divided will unite against us. The church needs to be diverse because the world is made up of all types of people and no one group will appeal to all of them. The church needs to be active because the world does not sleep. The church needs to be visible so that the world cannot dismiss or discount us. The church needs to be welcoming because getting into sin is easy. I'm testament of that. (laughs) The church needs to know that the world needs us, but the church needs to also know that we need the world. I'm finishing like this. Uh, In 1989, if you went through the 80s and the 90s, um, there was something that decimated black America, right? I can speak to this because I'm, I'm black, and at the time when it really jumped off, I lived in Washington, D.C., and Washington, D.C. led the nation and set records in homicides. I seen people get shot and killed. I didn't actually see the shooting but I walked around the corner and saw them It's this thing that decimated black America called the Crack Epidemic, anybody remember that? That crack name, it, it, it really hit America hard, but its results were mostly found uh, in Latin America. So it was this young, up-and-coming uh, duo that spent some time with PTL, their brothers were famous, but them not so much. And they wrote a song and they wanted to address like crack in America and, and, and they wanted to like put some lyrics to it nobody really knew who they were um the name was BB and CC Wine, as y'all heard of them but this isn't BB that was like Oprah's best friend this ain't that BB and this ain't Alabaster Box CC right like this ain't them so they but but they had a mission to this like how can we address this? How can we put a spin to it? And they wrote a song called Hold Up the Light. It says, hold up the light, save the world from darkness. It, it spoke to the Christians, the necessity of the Christian community contending against this thing that was ravaging our community. Crack us up, long sentences, three strikes, all this stuff, man, like we, st- still trying to get over what crack did in the blackheads. He said, hold up the light, won't you please America. It's time for all of us who claim in God we trust to take a stand. We must let our voice be heard across the nation to every man. If we are the light, it's time for us to fight for what is right. We must work while it is day before the fall of night. Voices crying out, young people dying, lost nowhere to run. So when I'm asking, take sacrificing, it's time for us to come and hold up the right. So, so they wrote the song, and nobody knew who they were, but they went on the most popular black television show in the late 80s and 90s, the Arsenio Hall show, right? <laughs> but they didn't have enough clout to pull it off, so they asked somebody from the secular world to come and help them. And I've got a 30-second clip of this. And then I'll hold record. up the light with a good friend, Whitney Houston, our B.B. and CeCe Winans. This is their response to the crack epidemic. I won't play it long, but Whitney actually has a line where she talks about crack in this song. Hey, hold up the line. oh my, say the word Time for all of us who claim in God we trust to take a stand, oh, let our voice be heard across the nation. That's cool. That's cool. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. It was their strong conviction. Somebody got to do something. Somebody has to say something. And so they went and got the most powerful person they knew. In fact, uh, history says that BB and CC didn't have nothing to wear, and Whitney brought on those outfits so they could go on the Arsenio Hall show because she was looted, right? And. They just wanted to give a good message. And so here's the deal, that, that was a black community in Craig. But what's true is we're all struggling now. And at some point you and I gotta figure out what side we're on and what to do our meat. Come on, let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your goodness, your kindness, and your mercy. I told the church when I started preaching, that they were going to have an opportunity to ask you for a me Bible. That I've preached, and come on, everybody. If the Lord of the Lord spoke to you, would you just lift your hands and say, God, would you send a me Bible? You know the way that you want to use me. You know my gifting. You know my talent. You know my inhibitions you know that there are times that I don't even think there's much that I can do to be impactful and to be effective. And all I have, at the end of the day, all I have is this one me. But you made me and you made that powerful. And now I'm coming back. God, first of all, would you take this little me and would you cleanse it, and would you heal it, and would you, would you make it what you want to be? God, I, I think that the thing I want to do with my me is I want to give it back to you. I've, I've put it in all kinds of groups. I've, I've been a partner of so many we's, but now I want the me Bible. Would you lift your hands and just ask God, God would you give me a me Bible? Would you make me over again? Would you transform my mind? Would you transform my heart? I never want to be a part of any we that will not let me be the renewed, transformed and godly me that you are calling me to be. Let me be a catalyst to help the world get back to this we use me to bring tension to whatever opposes you. This I believe you for. I give you my me. I give you my me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Come on, let's give God praise for his word today.